like the way he put that. The foolishness of preaching. What does it say? The, uh, the prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is mad. We're going to have uh, do our best to give you a Bible message tonight. How would that be? Really Amen. I hope so. All right. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 1. I know that's why you're here to gather around the Bible. You know, there's a great spirit within our church. It's uh, visible, very evident, and uh, it's special and sweet. I think we ought to maintain that. And, and if the Lord will allow us, you know, some churches, the Bible says, they bite and devour one another when they come. And they're always at each other. We don't have that problem here, and I'm, I'm very grateful, grateful to God for that. But we're in Revelation chapter 1. What I'm going to do here is speak about the church and uh, the necessity of the local church. Okay, the necessity of the local church. Let's look at Revelation 1 and verse 10. We're going to read all the way through verse 20, this vision that John saw. And let's stand. So let's read this responsibly. Revelation 1, verse 10 says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. I want you to stop right here. What, did he, what was the first thing he saw? Seven golden candlesticks. That was his first vision in Revelation. Let's finish here. It's in verse 13 says, And in the midst of the seven sandalsticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with the golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And let's pray together. Father, as we look at these verses and consider the church, help us to be very appreciative of what Thou hast given us. 
uh, as we're here together. And I pray that you'd fill us with thy spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. We did not read one verse. If you go to chapter 2 and verse 1, I, I would like to read one more verse. This would be my text, actually. It says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So John saw great visions, and he wrote many of them down in the book of Revelation. He saw heavenly visions. He saw visions within the heavens. He saw much. His first vision was Jesus Christ in all His glory. That was the first thing he saw. And uh, what we read here is a true manifestation of the glory of Jesus Christ in His glorified body. What you will see when you meet Him on the streets of glory, this is what He looks like. Revelation 1, right here, uh, the, the most uh, amazing description and the power of God and what of, of God and godliness and, and the uh, holiness that is Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to go and look at the description here tonight. It's not, it's not the message. But notice what he's seeing here. He's seeing a vision, but he's seeing a vision on the earth. He's not in heaven. He's not seeing a vision in heaven. He's watching something that took place. So it says he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. It's a good time to get in the Spirit is on the Lord's Day. Amen. On Sunday. You ought to be extra spiritual, if that's possible, or, or on Sunday, because we're all here together and we're going to benefit from the mutual faith of one another. It's really a beautiful thing for the saints to come together and to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Amen. John, you know, says, he's two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Poor John didn't have two or three. He was all alone. He was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. Had no church to go to. He didn't even have a friend. But Jesus showed up and spoke to him and from behind. And this happened on earth. And so he turned to face what he heard. And there, it says what? Seven golden candlesticks. But then in the midst of those seven golden candlesticks, this vision of Jesus Christ in His glory. And I want, to, I want to say this. As John writes Revelation, he's still in the church age. He's 90 years old at this time. He's about to die. He's exiled on the uh, Isle of Patmos. It's the last book of the Bible ever written. And he's, he's all at the end, but it's still in the church age. He's speaking to the churches. Revelation was written to us, to the churches. It wasn't written to those. Now those in the future can learn a lot from it. But these are letters written to the very churches of Jesus Christ. And what we see is, it, all, it uses the term in the midst. Right? Jesus is in the midst. Well, what's He in the midst of? The seven golden candlesticks. He's in the middle of them. And this is very significant for us. Uh, it's not sensational. But if you'll think about the glory of Jesus walking in the midst of these seven golden candlesticks. He's still doing that today. He's walking in the midst. Now what's He walking in the midst of? The churches. The churches. So we're going to talk about that. Did you know Jesus is all about the church in this dispensation? He's all about the church. 
to where the world puts the churches aside. Most of the churches put the churches aside. They're afraid to even put the name church on their sign. Yeah. Jesus is walking amidst the, in the midst of the churches. And He's all about the church. It's the great emphasis of what's going on right now. He's not emphasizing Israel right now. He's not emphasizing His own creation. The beauties of the world and all that God made. He's not emphasizing that. The emphasis is on the churches. That's where you'll find Jesus Christ. You think about the sea of humanity, the billions of people on this earth. He's not in the midst of them. He's in the midst of the churches. This is very important. He's not in the midst of the televangelist that you put on your TV and you're watching and he's trying to get your money. He's not there because that's not a church. Right. He's not in Washington, D.C. where you'd think he'd be having a lot of a lot of movement. No. He's in the churches. In the midst of the churches. In the middle of the churches. So this, the churches are likened unto candlesticks, which are the light bearers. These are the, th the uh, fixtures that give light before there was electricity. They, uh, they burned with olive oil. All the Jewish uh, menorahs, candlesticks, had seven bowls. They had seven arms and seven bowls. And it would be full of olive oil and they'd be burning and they would illuminate the room. They would illuminate everyone. Did you know that's what the church is? The illuminating ones. That's what we are. And Jesus is in the midst. Now, each church is meant. Someone said this recently. We ought to name our church the Line of the World Baptist Church. Pretty good name, but it's long. But pretty good. <clears throat> because that's what you're supposed to be. The light of the world. John 9, 5, Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. He's no longer in the world physically. And after His resurrection, He told us that we are the light. And He told us to walk as children of light. So, But the churches are the candlesticks. The bearers of the Holy Spirit oil. The bearers of the truth. You know, the churches are the center centers of worship on this earth. The place to go. We, I know we don't worship God here. We worship God in spirit and in truth in our hearts. But we meet here for the workings of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said, I'd like to be with God more? I'd like to have a little more of Him. Be around His Spirit more in a very special way. Oh, I want that. You know, one of the best ways to do it is be in church more. Amen. Because that's where He is. You want to be, and I know you're here on a Sunday night. Amen. To all of you, praise the Lord for it. You'll you'll get blessed for this. This is where you go. This is where you come if you want to have a special meeting with Jesus Christ in His churches. So I'm talking about the local church. Don't, I wish people would understand. This is where the action is. This is where the action is. Not out in the world, not in the news broadcast, not in your neighborhoods. Right here in the local church is where all the, everything's taking place that matters to God. It's not happening out in the woods or out at the uh, spring-fed rivers or anything like that. Or It's not happening at the beaches. It's happening in the churches where Jesus walks in the midst of His people. Let me say something. Jesus is in the churches. Okay. First of all, He founded the church. 
You know the church was founded by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Ephesians 2.20 says that we are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone. He is the start of it all. He's the builder of the church. He said in Matthew 16.18 on this rock, I will build My church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We know He's speaking of the church proper, of, of whole, uh, church corporate. He bought the church with His own blood. His very life, He gave all to get the pearl of great price, the church. It says in Acts 20.28 20, that He bought the church with His own blood. God did. You don't think it means more to Him than anything else on the face of this earth? And you look at all the grand things going on that people get mesmerized and taken by, and they just drive right on by the church where the truth's getting put out and people are walking in the, in the truth. Jesus is in the midst. Jesus is in the midst. He wrote all the books of the New Testament to the church. It's the epistles to the church. So if you look here at verse 20, it says the mystery of the seven stars. It's a mystery, a mysterious thing. Somebody asked about the mysteries just recently. The mystery which thou sawest in my right hand in the seven golden candlesticks. So this is really interesting. He says, in, when he looked at Jesus, he saw Him in, walking in the midst of these candlesticks, but he, he had seven stars in his hand. He was holding them in his right hand, the stars. And he tells us, what are these? The angels of the churches. The angels of the churches. Now, some people say that an angel only means a messenger. So it, it's purely just the messengers to the church. They, uh, they like to simplify it and say that the pastor is the angel to the churches and that God has his, his, the pastors of the churches in his hand. That's very true. But it goes beyond that. These are angels. These are angels. There's probably an angel that's protecting this church. Amen. That is assigned by God to keep this church what it needs to be. And to work in, in the church and to be with us and be in the midst. That's why when he wrote these, these seven letters to the seven churches, he rips the angels of the churches, not the churches. It's kind of interesting. He's pre preaching and speaking to the very angels. So that's what we're looking here. It's a representative or representation of the church. So the angel is over the local church and its protector, and the pastor would be the physical example of that. He's your well, he, he's he's your visible look of the angel that's spiritual that you cannot see, looking over and helping you. Now, it says that the angels are in his right hand. I tell you what, the Bible says all of us are in His hand. John 10, 28 says, I've got you in my hand and no man can pluck you out of my hand. It's beautiful. Isaiah 49, 16, He graves your name in His hands. He's got us in His hands. And no man can pluck you out. So the question is, this is so simple, but this is, this is great. I want, you to, I want to ask you a question. How can one be where they need to be and do exactly what they ought to be doing without the local church. If Jesus is in the midst, it's impossible. It's virtually impossible. I had a, there's a fellow I've been we've been dealing with years. 
So you know what the problem is? You won't go out and join a local church and serve within the local church. He'll say, what's my problem here? Go find you a Bible-believing church and be a member. Jesus is there. Amen. Go find you one. And you know what? Years have gone by. He still hadn't found one because if he did, he'd be calling us and telling us. How can it be? Many people, they say, I can be a good Christian without church. Don't they? They tell you that all over the place. Hey, I can worship God at home. I worship God in my backyard when I'm barbecuing. I go down to the river and I pray. I, don't, I read my Bible sometimes. I read books about the Bible. I watch TV sometimes and learn things. I can be a good Christian without the local church. You know, this is the big one. Hey, I can get to heaven without going to church. Sure you can. It has nothing to do with it. But for them saying that tells you how foolish they are. I can worship God without the church. I don't need the church. They say that a lot. Now, and all I can say is, is, is that really true? People try to learn the Bible without the church. Guarantee heretic. Guarantee you're going to get led astray by false doctrine if you don't find an angel helping you through the local church, through a pastor. They try to establish their own doctrines and they fall apart. I said it already. They claim to worship God in a park or at home or on a forest or on a beach or uh, hugging a tree or whatever. They, did, they won't do it God's way. They're going to choose to do it their own. They claim to have closeness with God in nature. They rebel against what God commanded us to do, which is the assembly of the saints. They won't come. They won't humble themselves and admit that they do need other people and other Christians to strengthen them. And it's called fellowship. They don't want a pastor over them because they don't want uh, accountability. Really, that's what it is. But I'm going to say something again. How can you be what you need to be for God without a local church? Right. When the Bible plainly says Jesus walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. It'd be like saying I'm a member of, the, of such and such family, but I haven't been to a family reunion in 20 years and I don't even show up for supper ever. I haven't talked to them in years. I'm, not, I'm, I'm one of them, but I'm never around them. Ever. Will not work. The church is the most important possession God has on this earth. Listen to this. Jesus Christ is the head of the body. He's the head of the church. This is the one church that all believers belong to. We're all a part of Him. We're in the body of Christ. He's the head of all of this. Christ dwells. Jesus Christ dwells in the midst of every local church. We just read this. Matthew 18.20 says, you go tell something's going on, you go deal with it in the local church because Jesus said, where the two or three gather together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. There it is again. Christ dwells in the body of every believer. You've got Him in the body of all of us individually who believes. Our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have Him within every local church and then Jesus is, is the head over the church of the one body. So listen to this. Every local church is a microtype of the 
one body, or the, the one, church of the one body. That's why we call ourselves a church, a called out assembly. But then, the church is everything Jesus, all, every born again believer since Jesus rose from the dead. It's a visual aid. What we're seeing here is a visual picture of the, of the one body of the full church. Every saved Christian, which there's only one type, a saved Christian, is a microtype of the true body, which is the church. You yourself is a little microtype of the whole thing. And God deals with us individually. Right? Jesus deals with every one of us individually. He deals with every church individually. And then He deals with the whole body sometimes. The whole church. That's the way Jesus does this. Now, it's your job to individually prepare yourself for Christ. And let Him be your head. And let Him dwell in the midst. The local church, listen to these statements, keeps you accountable to God. It does. Into each one another. It keeps you stable. Keeps you from backsliding. Keeps you from going rogue and going out on your own and establishing your own ways. The local church keeps us from going, I'm going to freestyle it a while. Jesus isn't in the midst of that. Keeps you in a flock. I'm a part of a flock. The local church. How can you be a part of a flock if you're never there? That's what I want to know. Okay. Let me give you the necessity of the church. This is important to understand this. The necessity of the church. We develop ties and relations with others in the church. Really, your best friends ought to be in the church if possible. You're tied to them. You're bonded to them. Why? We're all a member of the same local New Testament church. We join this together. We are one. The ministry that we do together binds us and bonds us together and we have a strong, strong bind because of the brotherhood of the brethren. We saw this Friday night. It was very special because there was a... What is it? There's a common fellowship. When we come here today, we're like a big family here. We ought to at least be. You develop ties and relations with others in the church. Get bonds with those of like faith. Number two, this is a good one. It teaches you that you must learn how to get along with other people and other Christians. We're all different. And you got to learn to forbear your brethren. Sometimes you got to put up with them. You have to have long suffering. You have to put up with us all the time. You're learning. You're, God's teaching us through the local church to how to live and dwell together and how to bear one another's burdens. Basically, how to serve God together as a group and as a team. Another one. It's necessity. It, what it does is it, loyalty to the church is fostered. You get, it, it builds a loyalty. We're all loyal to one another. Because we're here together. We're a called out assembly. We have forsaken the world again to meet tonight. And the Bible says Jesus will be in the midst. Right? When the 12 disciples, actually it was down to 11, they hid out that night on resurrection night. They were hiding in a, in a closed up room. Jesus came in the midst and met with them. And it was very special. It was very unique. It was God's way. 
You know, if you come to the local church, you say, I'm going to find my place. And honestly, I hope everybody finds it. You ought, you ought to say, I belong here. I'm one of you. You're one of me. We're in this together. Your heart will be there. And the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And it'll mean more to you. Somebody walks out and gets saved, and it'll mean more to you. This is, this is a church that Jesus is in the midst of that I get to be a part of. It's one of the golden candlesticks that Jesus is walking in the midst. It, another thing it does, and it's, it's necessary, it produces accountability. You know, modern Christianity and technology has given people a, a out. It's removed the local church. They don't want to come. They don't want a part of it. They can stay at home and watch sermons, right? They can get on anywhere on the internet and listen to anything they want to at any time. They can watch anything they want at any time. They, what they've done is they've removed the local church stigma out of their life because it is a stigma. The local church, it's, you talk about a stereotype. Oh, you're one of those? Yeah, I'm one of those. And I'm glad to be one of those. Amen. And don't be bitter at me because you're not one of those. You could be one of those if you'd come to Him. You could be one of us. But anyway, you know, they said the church is outdated. It's archaic. They, even the word church now is offensive. People are afraid to walk in the door of the New Testament church. And it's all because what has happened in the world where everybody has everything at their fingertips, but honestly, the radio, TV, and the internet, it really, you don't have anything at their fingertips. And I'll tell you why. There's no courage of accountability. You know, when you come to church like we do, we're all accountable to one another. We don't get the right to act in an offensive fashion toward the brethren. We're here to love one another, help one another, serve one another if possible. Sure, we make big mistakes. That's where the forbearance comes. And we learn to grow and deal with one another. The church brings us, think about it, from everywhere. We're from all walks of life, from all different places. We all come together and we meet under one name with one book, and God loves it. And you know what? You're going to grow as a result. You're going to become greater and stronger than you ever have before. It, you could call it a reproach. You could call it a stigma, but it's a privilege and a blessing to be a member of a Bible-believing Baptist church. Amen. Don't ever forget that. The local church. Tell you what we do. People don't see it unless they really look. They ought to look. It gives the world a picture of what the true church is. The unseen church. That's what we're supposed to do. The church of the one body. It gives a glimpse of the rapture every service. He talks about this. Every service, we've left the world to congregate in His name with Him. This is a little picture of what's going to happen when the big one hits, when we all go up and meet in heaven together, forgiven, letting the world go forever after that. It reveals God to the world. Now, this is important. Truth comes via the Bible, via pulpits that preach the Bible. Amen. That's where the truth comes from. You have to have that. He gave them pastors, teachers, and evangelists 
for the edification of the church so that they might go out and do the ministry fulfilling God's will. And it prepares the saints for... Now let me say something. There's no such thing really as a scriptural parachurch ministry. You know what that means? Nobody has a right to go out and start them a little ministry that's not under the authority of a local church. Amen. Some people don't like that. Jesus is not in the midst of that. Nobody has a right to do that. Jesus works through the church. The truth goes through the church. Almost every soul that's ever been one to Christ went through the church. And I'll say this, if it happened out on the streets, it happened by a person who goes to church, who led someone to Christ because they go to church. And it's not go to church, they're a member of a church. They're one of them. You can almost guarantee it because God works through the church with Jesus bought with His very own blood. It prepares the saints. This is a big one for a face-to-face confrontation with Jesus Christ. We talk about, I'm going to see Him someday. My faith is going to become sight. I'm going to look Him in the face. If you come to church all the time and you get, we say, get your face ripped. Sometimes it happens and you sit there and take it and you learn from the truth that comes out of the pulpit, the good. It's preparing you for when you see him, he's going to smile. You're not going to hide, you're going to be ready. Listen, if you go out and help some poor person down the street from you, that's a wonderful work. But you did that because you're a member of a Bible-believing church and you're following Christ. That's the reason. Okay, Everything we do for people, for God, is because we're a member of a local church that Jesus is in the midst of. Don't ever forget that. Even if you're all alone and not one other person on earth sees what you do, you're good deed. God sees it, but it all came and filtered down through the wonderful church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is in the churches. Let me say, you won't be close to Him without it. You can't. You can know some things. You're not going to have a closeness and a growth without being with the saints. It's not possible. Before I close, let me say this. In Exodus 25-33, we find where this term, the golden candlesticks, comes from. The golden candlestick was a piece of furniture in the tabernacle that Moses had built under God's direction. God told him to build this. It's where the Israeli menorah comes from. It's a seven-armed candlestick that was made out of gold. And as the arms went up, it says that on those arms, at the top of the arms, there was a knop of an almond branch or an almond flower. and There was a flower and a knob of an almond on it. And you think about on every bowl. Now that's supposed to be happening here in the local church. Now this is really interesting because what does the almond tree picture? Pictures Aaron's rod that budded. You had a dead, dead staff. An old almond tree rod. Been dead for years. It was Aaron's staff. That thing came alive. God made it rise from the dead. And one night, 
that dead branch came alive and it busted forth with blooms of flowers, unbelievable, and almonds all over that thing. Just exploded with life. That's what happens when you're supposed to when you're in the local church. So you have the death of Christ represented in the old dead staff, the almond, but then you have the life of the resurrection of Christ represented by the flower and the fruit that came out of the almond branch when it budded. This is what's happening. This is what is uh, pictured on the golden candlesticks. So what you have is two things. You have the death being represented of Christ because everyone must deny self and die to self. And then number two, the resurrected life of Christ. And it's all pictured in the candlestick and on top of that, you get the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit that brightens and illuminates your life. And you have a life. You're not walking in darkness. You're walking in light, the Bible says. Now, listen to this for a minute. You have a, the Bible says in Galatians 3.1 that Christ is crucified among you. Very evidently set forth, Christ is crucified among you. Now, he's talking to a church. He says, you walk into a church building. You know what you see? A bunch of people that Christ got crucified in. All of us. There's a death involved. Death to the old man, right? Death to the old ways of sin. Death to the world. Paul said, I'm, I'm crucified to the world and the world is crucified unto me because I got in Christ. And when I got saved, I'm no longer one of them. Well, I died. It's evident. Look around. A lot of... People that died to the old man. But you also see that new man. The life of Christ. That budding almond tree. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What it represents. It gives life. And it gives life more abundantly. If you just look, you can see both of this. Every service. If you look at the people of God around you. Notice, this is happening in our midst all the time. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love that. Next time you show up next Sunday, look around and see, look at the crucifixion, but then look for the Aaron's rod that budded and look at the life that's here. Because of they came, became a member of a local New Testament church. And now there's hope. Now there's life. Now there's purpose. You have uh, blossoming fruit. You got it all. Guess what? You got beauty too. Right here within the church. You're not going to see this anywhere else but a local New Testament church that is run scripturally. Say a few last things and I'll be done. Church is the happening place. Did y'all know that? This is it. Anybody that doesn't come, they're really blowing it. They're missing out on life. This is the place. This is the place. You know why? The best people are here. That's one of the reasons. The best people are here. Why wouldn't you want to come with the best people showing up all together in the same place? And all for the right reason. For the motive of coming to glorify Jesus Christ. Did you know the greatest works are done here? The greatest works. Where God really works. The best songs are sung. Where are you going to hear great singing that glorifies Christ like you hear in a local New Testament church? You say, I listen to it all the time on the internet. That's not, that's not live. That's not right. We're hearing it fresh and new.
Just heard it tonight. Fresh, new, and spiritual. And it edifies the body of Christ. People get saved here. A lot of people get saved in the local New Testament church. Prayer is believed in here. It's a house of prayer. There's unison and unity and accord while we pray. Self-denial is here. We're trying to learn to deny self and let Christ rule over our lives, right? You come here, service is here. You see people that serve. You see people, if there's an opportunity, they jump. See, some that they, they opportunity, they jump looking for an opportunity. It's a wonderful thing to see. Sacrifice is found here. People sacrifice their life. Some people drive from distant places every service. They're sacrificed here. They want to be here. Special. God's truth is set forth here. We're setting forth sound doctrine. The best that we can. He does a great job. Sound doctrine. Amen. It's set forth here at the local church. You're not getting that anywhere else. Christ is glorified within the local church. He gets glory. He is in the midst. He's here right now. Amen. He's here right now. In the midst of His people in His church. Did you know you'll find God's will at His church, in the church? You're not going to find God's will if you're a church skipper and never show up. You're not going to find it. Because you're not doing the will of God. Right? You'll find His will for your life. And He'll speak to you and show you His will in church. Security and protection. Spiritual security and protection of the saint is in a local church. Do you know what that's like to have that? Well, you have it. You are under an umbrella of protection. There's an angel even over Garnerfield Road Baptist Church. You got friends here. You got brethren in Christ right here in the church. The letters of God, we didn't get to it. The letters of God that are written to the churches are, found, are written here and found here and preached here and taught. God's presence is here. What I'm trying to say is, and just need a new, try to desire, find a new love for what God loves. Amen. This is the most important thing, commodity God has on this earth, is His church. He's looking at us all the time. Right? He's with us all the time. He's in us all the time. Amazing thing to think about. It's so sad how come it's love. We look at it as a drudgery. Find your place. It's a sadness if people say, I don't feel like I belong. That's, that's, that's sad. It's terrible. Ought not be. This is the place of belonging. We're all accepted in the beloved of Jesus Christ. Yes, we are. Everyone. I think you just need, we all need to learn to have a new love and desire for the church that Jesus bought with His own blood and put His name on. Amen. Do you love your church? Try to love it more. Try to love it more. The Lord's so good. Amen. And I, you know, I thank God I get to come to church with y'all. Amen. You know, we always say, hey, do you go to church? Well, let me put it this way. 
I'm a member of a church. I'm one of them. It's what I do. It's my life. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Think about the church. Think about this. Where did you get saved? Where did you get born again? Most of us would say, I got saved in a church or I got saved when someone from a church came and witnessed to me. When you followed the Lord and believers' baptism and you got baptized, where did that happen? When you learned to read your Bible, you learned it at the church. When you started learning doctrine and how I can learn the Bible, you knew this is coming through the church. I learned it here. Started developing real friends through the church. And Jesus is in the midst of those seven golden candlesticks, the churches. And boy, thank God we're in the right place. Amen.